formation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is Welcome back to another episode of Fire Tom Herman, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, iTunes, Stitcher, and Overcast, as well as on Twitter at at the FTH Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gordog24P, joined alongside by Tuxedos9, and today we're doing our pre-spring practice episode, discussing some of the minor storylines that have popped up surrounding the program, including commitments for both the 2019 and 2020 classes, as well as some grad transfer news. Texas also announced the hirings of a few analysts, so we'll discuss what we're excited to see out of those guys. We'll also touch on what we're going to be looking for out of the spring practice reports, but before we get too far into that, we do have a quick announcement about something that we've got going on on our Twitter page that we think is pretty exciting. Tux, why don't you let the people know what we're doing? Hey guys, so... We're going to be kicking off a new project on Twitter. Uh, basically, we went through and highlighted our favorite plays from the Texas football season. Now, we had some issues trying to figure out how to rank it, so instead we just left it up to the people. We made a huge post on Reddit and basically made it into a contest and put all of our highlights there for everybody to see, to vote on, and we hid the scores. So starting next Saturday, it's exactly, what, 26 Saturdays until um, our first game? 26 (laughs) counting the day of the game. So it'll be 25 weeks starting this Saturday until we kick off against Louisiana Tech. Perfect. So it's going to be a countdown, and every Saturday we're going to release, you know, 25 all the way through 1, all of the highlights that we have based on how you guys voted. And I'm pretty excited to see that because... um, once again, it's just great to relive a pretty good season. Yeah, there's, there were a lot of plays that you kind of go back through and you go, oh man, I forgot about that one. Or uh, even minor opponents, you, you think about there were a couple in there from the Tulsa game. Kind of made you go like, oh yeah, that, that was pretty cool. And it's, it's easy to get carried away and uh, be left with kind of thinking about what happened in the games at the end of the season. Obviously the Sugar Bowl, which admittedly does have a pretty large presence on our favorite plays. Um, after going through and seeing how they voted but yeah it is fun to sort of take that trip back through and especially with it counting down to the 2019 kickoff it'll hopefully make the offseason go a little faster yeah for sure so with that you want to get into the coach talk yeah so we'll start off with talking about those analysts that we hired texas announced the hiring um, of several analysts um, four of them specifically we have larry fedora yeah, the former North Carolina head coach. Um, he was also formerly the head coach at Southern Miss, and before that was an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Also his son, who was an analyst for him at North Carolina, will be joining the Texas staff as an analyst under his dad. Uh, we also had the former Kansas State offensive coordinator, Andre Coleman, and Paul Williams, uh, the former defensive backs coach um, at the University of Houston. So starting off, I mean, obviously the big name there is Larry Fedora. Clearly trying to get to that point, kind of like what Nick Saban's got going at Alabama, where he's basically got the, the like a, an orphanage for wayward head coaches. 
Um, we started that with Larry Fedora. Get a guy who had success um, at North Carolina when he had Mitch Trubisky there, but a guy who knows the Big 12, knows spread offenses, like I said, spent time as the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Uh, really an experienced guy and a guy who's familiar with the state of Texas. So I, I feel like it's going to help a lot in our scouting of ourselves um, and analyzing our opponents just because of his familiarity with a lot of those air raid concepts and just general spread offense concepts. Oh yeah, I think that's the one that people are most excited about and for the exact reasons you listed. I love that there's a theme, right? And all these themes are we're looking to improve our offense. Last year it was kind of slow and, you know, wanted to beat teams into the ground rather than try to, you know, just blow up the scoreboard like everybody else that we faced. Um, So the next one that really excites me is we got Kansas State offensive coordinator. He was a decent wide receiver for them, but he was, I believe, uh, an All-American special teams guy. And this is important because we just elevated Derek Wareheim to the special teams coordinator role. I don't know how he's going to be in that. Um, Nightbar I thought was okay. So here we're, we're just um, we're we're helping Wareheim in his new role, and the, you know we couldn't have found someone better than this. Yeah, and with with Andre Coleman coming from Kansas State as the offensive coordinator, um, both him and Larry Fedora bring that familiarity, like we said, with the Big Twelve. But it's also not just a sort of, to meme it, alignment hire. It's not guys who are only comfortable within Tom Herman's system. It's guys who do have experience doing things a little different. Kansas State had a lot of those sort of QB power run concepts um, that are big in in Herman's offense, obviously. But Larry Fedora, like I said, with the, the air raid tree, we do get a little bit more diversity as far as the actual offensive backgrounds for both of those guys. Um, and that last one we talked about uh Paul Williams, the defensive backs coach from the University of Houston, not nearly as flashy as the other two, not not a name that jumps off the page, not a, a background that really jumps off the page, um, but he's 48 years old, he's pretty young, and, and that gives us a guy who's someone that can grow into this role, while also just sort of building our, our defensive staff. It was um, We had a pretty strong defensive support staff in 2017, and that paid dividends in how strong the defense was. Uh, we lost a little bit of that in 2018. We saw some steps back. Eventually, we did grow as a defense uh, last year. But with the amount of youth that we're going to have in the two deep on defense, it's going to be very important that we have a strong support staff. Um, and hiring of Paul Williams, the hiring of Paul Williams, is definitely going to help build that up, especially with his background as defensive backs coach, with Craig Nivar being promoted to co-defensive coordinator it gives him more support allows him to grow into that role of being the dc as it appears we're grooming him towards becoming the dc when whenever todd orlando does finally get hired away because unfortunately that time is going to come at some point whether that's next year two years three years from now whenever that that may be it'll be important that we have guys where we're able to sort of promote with from within and not have to pull guys from outside and reinstall defenses every single time someone new comes in. Well said. Um, so that just leaves one guy, and I know that's the guy you really want to talk about, and that's Kansas head coach, former Kansas head coach David Beatty. Yeah, I've, I've been pleading, uh, sort of apparently screaming into the void, um, and I, I guess it's not really fallen on deaf ears, and it's not like I really gave them the idea. I definitely gave him the idea, but 
as far as hiring David Beatty, whether it's in the role of an actual position coach, which seems like we're not really going to be touching that, but more into an analyst role at UT, it seems like right now the hang-up is with Kansas. I guess David Beatty and the University of Kansas are still sort of fighting about his dismissal as far as how much he's owed, sort of going through the, the actual buyout. Um, so until all of that is resolved, we're not going to take the steps to hire him yet. Uh, and it's very important that we sort of alleviate the confusion because there's been a lot of confusion from the discussion of going into the Big 12 title game. There was some talk that David Beatty was going to be involved in our game planning. A lot of misinformation uh, that was being spread successfully by OU and Lincoln Riley crying about it to the media. Uh, but David Beatty was never on the University of Texas staff. Tom Herman clarified it before the Big 12 championship game that Beatty's involvement was limited basically to self-scouting. Uh, it's pretty standard practice with coaches. Uh, whenever you are done facing a staff that you know you're not going to be facing anytime soon, uh, you'll the, you'll do a bit of an exchange of information as far as, hey, these are the, the tells um, that we had. This is how we knew that you were in man coverage, you were in zone coverage. We knew which direction you were going to run the ball, if you were going to run the ball, what your offensive line protection scheme was going to be, that sort of thing. We, we called Kansas, we called David Beatty being that he had just gotten fired, uh, called him up to get that information out of him. Uh, for some reason, Lincoln, well, Lincoln Riley was apparently completely, this is a completely alien concept to him to self-scout, which is probably why everyone moved the ball at will against Oklahoma's defense all year. But the, just a whole bunch of misinformation. David Beatty was never on the Texas staff. Um, so don't get that confused as to why now there's suddenly a problem when there wasn't something in December. We did the same, had the same exchange of information with Clay Helton's staff at USC after our game in September. Obviously a little more two-way street there because Clay Helton is still at USC. Um, but we definitely had the same conversation with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Dana Holgerson, Bill Snyder, um, with all those coaching staffs turning over at Texas Tech and West Virginia and, and at Kansas State. It's, it's just common practice to do these things. So for now, we're just sort of in a holding pattern. Uh, but from everything we've heard and everything we're led to believe, once that's resolved with the University of Kansas, uh, there will be nothing stopping us. And David Beatty will at some point become an analyst um, on Tom Herman's staff. Yeah. And so to go along with that, Herman basically gave an extension, a one-year extension to all the assistant coaches. Um, so that doesn't include Herb Hand, that doesn't include uh, Todd Orlando, um, and just said, oh, and I guess it doesn't include Beck either, just said, you know, you guys are all extended for one more year. None of these analysts were brought in to specifically replace those guys. Um, just Herman wants the continuity, but he also wants to infuse some some new ideas, and that's where he brought in the analysts. Now, there was a little bit of a... I guess, like, just a drummed-up controversy about Herman's, you know, just giving one-year extensions to his guys. And Herman's defense was that, you know, if you're consistently good at your job, then you have nothing to worry about, which is kind of true. But also, like, um, most coaches are on one- or two-year contracts, so I don't see the... I guess I don't see the downside to Herman doing it for one more year. Do do you see any, any uh, issues with this? Uh, I mean, I, I can sort of understand the concerns in recruiting um, when you've got your position coach and you don't know for sure that he's going to be around by the time you get to campus. 
And honestly, for position coaches, though, I, I'm, I'm really not opposed to it at all. Um, I don't see the problem with having them on one-year deals. As you said, Herb Hand, Todd Orlando, and Tim Beck did not get that same treatment, mostly because Todd Orlando and Tim Beck um, signed three-year deals when they got here, so they were not their deals did not expire at the or with the conclusion of the 2018 season like the rest of the staff did. Um, and then Herb Hand obviously came in after year one. I believe he was also on what was the standard two-year deal, so he also has one more year. Um, I have a feeling this policy is not going to apply to guys like Todd Orlando and Tim Beck, where you are the offensive or defensive coordinator. Um, for, for those guys, I believe there is more of a need to guarantee that there's going to be continuity there, and they'll, they'll, they will probably get two- or three-year extensions rather than single-year extensions. But personally, as, as far as the, the position coaches, um, with how quickly those guys turn over anyway, unless it's someone that's like critically important, I, I just don't see any reason why there should be any controversy about those guys getting one-year extensions. And I, and I think for them it, it works out well, too, if they're looking to get hired on somewhere, like with, with Drew Merringer this year interviewing with James Madison University, it, it's one less little bump uh, for those schools that are looking to hire away from us. Uh, one less thing to worry about if they're looking to get those guys effectively promoted by having Drew Merringer become the offensive coordinator if he gets hired elsewhere. There's one less step there and a, a little bit lower of a barrier to entry. Uh, it also allows us um, the freedom... So if we do indeed get David Beatty um, involved as an analyst, if we have a bad year with Drew Merringer, it, it just makes it that much easier to to turn the staff over if there are problems. But I, yeah, I, I really think the the minor controversy that popped up was very very overblown because there were a bunch of guys like like uh, Coach Washington and Coach Nivar, guys that are in absolutely no danger uh, of losing their jobs. It's not exclusively something that's happening to Derek Wareheim and Drew Merringer, where it's guys where we think they're underperforming, uh, so we're just looking for a way to get rid of them or, or clear the path to get rid of them. Like it, it's just not all that big a deal, I don't think. Yeah, and I feel like um, this is kind of a unique position that we have as Texas fans. Like, there's a lot of, you know, whatever Herman says, there's an immediate backlash. Like, there's, it, it's very odd. Like, if Herman says something that really doesn't sound all that controversial, it immediately becomes something. And I don't know if that's just due to um, our rivals. I don't know if that's just due to Herman not being well-liked for whatever reason. But it's it's bizarre, right? Like, lots of other coaching staffs give one-year extensions or, uh, you know, Nick Saban basically fires his entire staff if they don't win the championship. And no one says anything there. But Herman does something that, you know, seems okay. He wants to, he wants them to continue being at Texas and he gives him a one year extension and all of a sudden there's an outcry. It it's just bizarre to me that there's a double standard. Yeah, I mean it, it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time it, it is ridiculous that there's this weird microscope on us. Um, and I think part of it is because we have so many schools that have a bone to pick with us whether it's OU or Texas A&M or even Arkansas. And a lot of Nebraska. those schools are... Nebraska. And a lot of those schools are large schools with large fan bases um, that have decades worth of things to complain about. Um, so they're always looking for something to needle us about. So I... Yeah, it's... 
at, at this point, it's whatever. I, I can deal with it. If, if it turns into winning games and stuff like that, then in the end, all that matters is we can point and just say, scoreboard, don't really give a shit about your opinion. Yeah. All right. So with that, uh, let's talk about the actual players and some interesting stuff going on. Uh, Brandon Jones is out for the spring with an ankle injury. Not not the worst player to to be missing for spring practice, I guess, because we have B.J. Foster, we have Caden Stearns, and hopefully we can use that to give Overshone some time in the defensive backfield. Um, so again, not the worst case scenario. And it, just to make that clear, it's not a new injury. It's the same nagging ankle thing that kept him out of several games this year. He got surgery on it, so it's just a matter of recru- recovering um, from the surgery that went along with the, the ankle injuries that he sustained during the season. Yeah, and it's good. Just let him heal. We um, we don't have anything to worry about with the safeties for now, at least. And then defensive lineman Peter Pudgy hurts himself on a motorized scooter and had to get a boot on his foot. I, I yeah. don't even... Yeah, uh, that, uh, that, it's on. becoming a problem. I know someone I saw someone ask on Twitter, ask CDC why we don't have a policy in place, basically banning any athletes from using them. Peter Poggy getting himself hurt. The baseball team starting shortstop David Hamilton tore his Achilles tendon and is out for the season. Um, and he was figuring to be a critical part of the lineup um, for the baseball team this year. It's it's a, it's a little ridiculous. Those stupid lime scooters have all but taken over Austin. And I think they, if I remember correctly, I saw some stuff about South by Southwest starting to, or putting rules in place to ban them around festival time. So, um, yeah, those are those are a headache. I I mean I. We talked I, I last get episode. The... I was willing to shill for EA against my better judgment. I don't think if Lime Scooters came to us asking to advertise it, we would at all support them at this point. I, I do feel like the need to defend the players on this. It's a little ridiculous, but at the same time, we have to realize that these guys have the most ridiculous college schedule we could imagine. They're basically doing a full-time job, which is their sport, plus being full-time students. So I imagine they have places to go and they have very little time to get there. So I can see why they'd want to, you know, use a scooter or two. But at the same time, you know, if this, if this is leading to some really bizarre injuries, maybe we should consider it. Take the bus. T- take the bus, exactly. The, the, the buses, they're always there. Um, so the next thing is <laughs> offensive lineman Pat Hudson still on leave. No update whatsoever. Probably feels like a medical retirement, but hey, if he wants to give it another go, I'd be more than happy to. And he'll always go down in history for that crazy 2016, basically second national signing day that we got. So, I mean, in my heart, uh, I'll always love Patrick Hudson, even if he does medically retire at this point. Same. It was just another um, another middle finger to Baylor, which, uh, frankly, we don't have enough of. And then the last thing is uh, Sam, he's still... He hasn't been going through all the practices. They're still uh, easing him from uh, his shoulder ailment from last year. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, we need him healthy. A few spring practices are nothing if, um, you know, he re-injures it. Yeah, and he'll still have plenty of time on his own time, really, to uh, to get sort of uh, into, the, into the flow of things and build a rapport 
um, with some other receivers other than just Colin Johnson. Um, hopefully build that familiarity with Devin DuVernay, uh, which would have come in super handy if we had that last season. But yeah, I, I'm not too worried about Sam. Uh, and plus, it just gives Casey Thompson and Roshan Johnson more time to uh, sort of take take the reins and, and learn quickly uh, during this spring practice. And then, so now we had a couple transfers we wanted to quickly mention. The first being, the most exciting one to me, is offensive guard Parker Braun. He was all ACC at Georgia Tech. And he left because, first of all, Paul Johnson, his head coach, retired. And the second thing is, you know, he's been in a triple option offense. And now he wants to get away from that because he realizes, you know, he has talent and he could play in the NFL. But he wants to put film on you know, of him in a, in a more NFL-friendly offense. So he's looking to transfer, and, te- you know, Texas managed to pick him up. Yep, that one's very exciting. It wasn't just All-ACC at Georgia Tech. He was two-time All-ACC at Georgia oh, Tech. My bad. Started my bad. for three years. And like you mentioned, coming from that triple option offense, the expectation is, and you can see it on film, he's a very good run blocker. Um, sort of an incomplete grade as far as pass blocking, um, but that rem- and it remains to be seen exactly how good he's going to be at that. Um, but that immediately shores up one of the two empty interior guard positions with our, our two guards graduating this past year. So that that's definitely a welcome transfer um, and definitely a big pickup. And then on the other end of it, we have a transfer, really a JUCO transfer, who qualifies as the 2019 recruiting class. Um, Willie Tyler, I believe he came out of a community college in Iowa, something like Iowa Western Community College or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's a very, very big body, um, very sort of raw template um, really to work with. Um, Not a whole lot of ratings on him on the services because they thought he was going to be a 2020 class guy, but it looks like he's going to graduate in May, so he qualifies as a 2019 guy. He'll have three years of eligibility I think he'll have four years to play three. Yeah, uh, Four years to play three. So it's extremely likely he's going to be redshirting this year. He's not going to be an instant impact kind of guy. But another great guy, another great body for Herb Hand to work with. Um, and we go from um, National Signing Day where we only had three true offensive linemen in the recruiting class um, with Parker Bronze transfer and Willie Tyler coming in. Suddenly we have a pretty stacked Five, five people in the effectively in the 2019 class, one of which we know for sure is basically going to be an instant starter in Parker Braun, even if he's only going to be here for a year. So we go from having a lot of questions about our offensive line uh, recruiting class um, to, to having a lot of confidence in what we came out of 2019 with. Yeah, and one thing to note is I'm becoming a huge fan of Herb Hand's recruiting strategy, which is basically target the the guys who are super athletic but haven't put on the weight yet in high school so that'll be um you know like your Rafiti Jermais or Reese Moore or um I guess Tyler Johnson doesn't really count because he already had the weight but we had Javon Shepard this year you know all these guys who have the phenomenal height who have the phenomenal um, mobility that you're looking for they just don't have the weight and stuff yet so they, they have less wear and tear right uh, so these are all high high ceiling prospects, and that's who he's targeting out of high school. 
But obviously, this is a very risky strategy because uh, if those guys don't develop like you want, now you have a massive hole at the, sp at the position. So he's supplementing that with grad transfers who are ready to play, and they're only going to play one year, so it's not like they're um, offending the, the current uh, people you already have on roster. So it, I, I think this is just a very smart and, um, you know, he, smart way to recruit, and basically he's going for the risky guys, but also supplementing with a lot of high-floor dudes to mitigate that risk. And there was a good article um, over the winter. I don't remember who it was by. It might have been The Athletic. Um, just talking about offensive line recruiting, and they did talk to Herb Hand, um, just sort of talking about what you look for in, in the offensive line guys. And, and it basically came down to when, they're, when Herb Hand's looking at film um, for offensive linemen, you're not necessarily looking for guys who have great technique. You're looking for guys who have the mindset um, in high school and the willingness to learn, um, as long as they have the athleticism and they have the the mentality, he it's a position where we feel like we can mold guys into the player we need them to be. Um, and it's very important on the, the mental side. Uh, I feel like offensive line is the most cerebral position, really, um, outside of maybe quarterback on the football field. So you need guys who have that men the correct mentality um, to be become dominant as an offensive lineman. So there, there's a lot of areas where we might have questions about whether or not someone's got good foot technique, foot speed, um, hand placement while blocking. It, it's a thing where Herb Hand feels like he is confident enough in his abilities to coach them up on that, where as long as they've got the, the, the right, they're in the right headspace, that we're going to be able to get good offensive linemen no matter what recruiting services might say about them. But from there, we just wanted to uh, briefly touch on uh, the 2020 class. Since our last episode, we had two commitments. Um, we have four-star athlete Mookie Cooper, who projects likely to slot receiver um, for us out of the same high school as 2019 signee wide receiver Marcus Washington. Um, so we're building that pipeline out there in St. Louis that we talked about. Um, and then we also had four-star offensive tackle Jalen Garth, a lot of People have been talking about him possibly being the top offensive tackle in the state of Texas this this year, and really that all the uh, offensive line recruiting that, that brings us to three of our five commitments this year are guys on the offensive line with Jake Majors and Logan Parr. Uh, it's just building that class, trying to convince Zach Evans, who has been on the record as saying that the offensive line class is very important to him as far as where he's going to decide where to go to school. Um, with that, let, let's just sort of get into what we're going to be looking for out of spring practice. So Tux, a um, lot of position groups, a lot of battles um, uh, for depth chart position. What are you most interested in watching for during spring practice? Yeah, so this is the one that's flying under the radar, but I really want to talk about tight ends. You know, we had Andrew Beck last year, uh, who was in all Big 12 selection. So obviously there's some big shoes to fill here. Um, but at the same time, Beck wasn't the best receiver that this offense could really use. So we had a, a terrific blocker, basically a sixth offensive lineman out there, but just he was an okay receiver. Um, so we have to replace him. And basically, I think the job will probably come down to someone between Cade Brewer and Reese Latow. They're both part of the... Uh, the transition class from when Herman first got hired. Brewer showed a lot of uh, good stuff in 2017, but 
he got injured at the end of that year and I think 2018 he just didn't look right maybe that's just you know him still recovering from the injury so we don't know Reese Letal we haven't seen much from him so I don't know what to expect but they're the uh, two most veteran uh, players out of the tight end group so maybe one of them emerges and then uh, on the next thing is you know Malcolm Epps was moved to wide receiver so he's not in this rotation we had Jared Wiley who enrolled early but he, he played quarterback in high school. He, he didn't play a tight end, and that's why he was not rated very highly at all. So he might be some guy you circle back to in 2020 or maybe even 2021 and see what he became. And then we have Braden Lebrock, but Lebrock didn't enroll early, but right now he's more of a wide receiver than tight end. So we have a good mix of different um, dudes who bring different uh, traits to the position. And I feel like Cade Brewer probably has the has the best chance of being the starter, but his 2018 year wasn't great. And um, the position's kind of in flux. Yeah, definitely a big power vacuum there. I, I agree, probably looking at Cade Brewer coming into the spring as the presumptive starter. Um, but that'll definitely be an entertaining one to watch, especially to see if, like, Reese Latow is going to be able to uh, make some progress. We know he came in sort of as a receiver, um, sort of a receiving tight end more, but if he's able to step up as a blocker too, um, that could be an interesting battle. Uh, for me, um, I'm definitely going to have my eye on the offensive line. Uh, we've talked a lot about how many guys are leaving. Sam Cosme and Zach Shackelford are really the only two guys on the line that we are going to have known quantities that started last year. So Sam Cosme is going to be swinging from right tackle over to left tackle, um, and Zach Shackelford is still at center, which honestly I think is very important to have that senior leadership at center, the guy who's giving the direction and and pointing out assignments um so that's very important but then until parker braun gets here which won't be till the summer we're gonna have a complete void at offensive guard um so there's a lot of questions there as to who's going to step up if parker braun is going to come in and be the starter at left or right guard um who's going to take over that other guard position and then at right tackle uh christian jones Christian Jones redshirted last year he's going to be coming in sort of as a presumptive starter at right tackle um, but that's going to be a battle with him uh, with guys like Denzel Okafor uh, Derek Kerstetter and both Kerstetter and Okafor guys who figured to figure to have an impact on that battle for that other guard position opposite Parker Braun so it'll be interesting to see where a lot of those young guys are even guys like Jun- Junior Angelau um, whether J.P. Urquidez ever makes an impact here pretty wide open three spots really up for grabs so it's going to be pretty exciting to see um, who sort of takes over during the spring three spots right now two spots when Parker Braun gets here so I'll be definitely keeping an eye on that that battle for those spots yeah I think that's a huge one you know and that kind of plays into what I was talking about a tight end Um, Beck was basically another offensive lineman and he was amazing in that role so now we basically have to replace both of our guards, Calvin Anderson, who is a pretty decent uh, tackle, and Beck. Um, I think we, we made an upgrade over Vahi and Braun, so now we just have to fill out the other positions. Yep, absolutely. And then also, I mean, real quick, not not guys that we're going to go too in-depth on, it's going to be some interesting battles at linebacker with that, that large class that we brought in, um, who takes over there uh, with the Gabriel Floyd having enrolled early. Um, it'll be fun to watch how he progresses throughout the spring. And then also um, a defensive back, 
we're, we're pretty well set as far as safety. Um, Want to see DeMarvian overshone get some time, whether that's as a joker, whether that's almost in a linebacker-esque role. How, whatever that's going to look like, be interesting to see him get on the field. And then critically at the corner positions, um, again, your presumptive starters are going to be Anthony Cook and Jalen Green. And there might not be a whole lot of debate during spring practice um, as to whether or not one of them is going to get overtaken. But really just how they look, especially Jalen Green. Uh, we saw a little bit of Anthony Cook actually playing during the Oklahoma State game. He was not the one getting burned. Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis were um, sitting out for the first half or first quarter. Um, so he, he's had some time, feel decent about him. Jalen Green has been getting hyped up basically since he got on campus. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that, that pays off. Even Brandon Jones, um, during an interview with Longhorn Network, specifically said he expects Anthony Cook and Jalen Green to break out onto the scene in a big way in 2019. So that'll be something to keep an eye on during the spring as well. Yeah, for sure. So with that, you want to move into a little bit of baseball talk? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're a football podcast, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on baseball, but I, I've definitely been ki- been keeping a closer eye on the team this year. Um, now that I've finally figured out how to get consistent access to the Longhorn Network, I can watch a few more baseball games. Um, but for those of you who even have a passing interest or are looking for another sport to help pass the time until football season gets here, um, now's a great time to jump in. Baseball season's only a few weeks in. Only a few weeks into the season, they played something like 40 games, and they've only played uh, like 10 of them so far. Um, and the, the baseball team's off to a great start. Just this past weekend, they swept then number one LSU. Um, had a great walk-off on Sunday that was very exciting to watch. Our Friday starter, Bryce Elder, um, has been absolutely phenomenal. So he's been a lot of fun to watch. Watch him shut down, and he's one of those guys where um, you're feeling good about the team any any time we're playing on Friday and Bryce Elder's out there, um, you feel like we're going to be able to win that game. The bats, the offense are a, is just a lot better than it was last year. Last year we kind of failed to really hit or get on base or do base running, really anything particularly well on offense. Um, we've improved a lot there. There are still holes. Um, still trying to find the replacement for David Hamilton, who we talked about. Uh, when talking about those Lime scooters causing problems with him being out, he was going to be a big part of it. So seeing who steps up um, also to take over for uh, Cody Clemens last year was sort of the emotional heart of the team. Um, still trying to figure out who that is for the team this year. The only sort of thing that I've really noticed in the few games that I've gotten to see already, got a lot of question marks on defense. Guys that were reliable last year seem to be having a few issues. We're consistently having errors um, in, in basic defensive play. So there's some questions there. But otherwise, it's definitely very fun. I think on this most recent poll, there's something like number 11 or number 10 in the composite as far as being ranked at, or across the country. And with Texas Tech also being very good, they, this is, should be a pretty fun season as far as the battle for the Big 12 crown. Yeah, I try to watch baseball, but man, I'm just not a fan of the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not for everybody. It's not one where I'm going to be able to just sit down and convince you if you're not a fan of the pace. There's really not a whole lot I can do to do to convince you that you're you're wrong or something. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just if it's not your not your game, it's not your game, but if you are open to um watching baseball and getting into that, there's definitely a lot of entertainment in our baseball team this year. But with that in mind, thank you guys for stopping by in the middle of the offseason to listen to our spring practice preview episode. 
Uh, we had a lot of pro positive growth over the past few months. The Sugar Bowl episode, as well as the uh, episode for the 2019 recruiting class, both of those broke our previous records for the most played episodes. Um, so that's very exciting. Um, it's part of why we sort of decided to uh, make an extra off-season episode. We kind of wanted to keep that going. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at, at the FTH Podcast again. Uh, we are starting this Saturday. The very first one is going to get posted at, on noon, or at noon this Saturday at F, at the FTH podcast uh, for the top 25 plays of the 2018 football season. Please also leave a review on the podcasting platform of your choosing um, or on Reddit when we post the episode there. Uh, just to let us know how we're doing. We're always looking to improve. We'd love to have the feedback to continue improving the podcast, um, especially now that we're starting to get some traction as far as growing our audience. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll see you next month for our two spring game episodes. Welcome. Welcome. Okay.